The definition of a Rishus Hayochid is not defined by how many people own it. It doesn't mean it's a privately owned place. Rather, it is an area of at least 4x4 Tufachim, which is surrounded by walls which are at least 10 Tufachim high. We learned in the previous Mishnah that the walls don't actually have to be full walls. Rather, to be halachically considered a Mechitza, a partition or a wall, we can use the principle of Lovud, which means that a gap of less than three Tfachim is not considered significant and we view it as if the gap is filled up. So we saw in the previous Mishnah an example of people car- um, traveling through a desert who encamp in a valley for Shabbos, and we said that they can use three ropes, one above the other, and have gaps in between them, and using Lovud, it's considered to be a full wall which is 10 Tfachim high. This Mishnah tells us that they can do exactly the same thing, but this time instead of doing it horizontally, one rope above the other, he sticks poles into the grounds vertically. So Makif and Bekonim, one can surround the camp with poles or with reeds, stick them in the ground, and leaving a gap in between them, as long as there is less than three Tfachim in between each pole, each reed. Now, as we mentioned, the Mishnah is talking about a camp. It's talking about a group of people traveling through the desert on a long journey. They haven't really got so many things with them. And the Mishnah told us that they don't need to make a full wall in order to create a Rishus HaYachid, but rather they can just put poles or ropes there and have gaps, and that is still considered enough because of the principle of Lovud. There's now going to be a four-way machlekes as to when exactly this leniency applies, and the Gemara explains the differences between each, each opinion, even though the Mishnah itself doesn't necessarily elaborate so much, the Gemara explains each opinion. So the first opinion is Rabbi Huda, and Rabbi Huda holds that Bashiyara Dibru, the Chachom spoke about a camp specifically, a group of people traveling through the desert. That is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, and only in such situation are you allowed to use this principle of Lovud to make the Mechitza. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, if somebody is in a settled place, and you can access all his possessions, he's not traveling a very long journey, he's on the middle of nowhere, in that situation you would not be able to make such a flimsy and not a proper Mechitza, in order to create the Rishus HaYachid. This is a special leniency which the Rabbonon made for people traveling. Now the Gemara adds that if somebody is traveling, but he is traveling by himself, not with a group of people, Shrabi Yehuda holds that you can use Lovud to make the Mechitza, but you can only make a Rishus HaYachid of an area of up to 5,000 square damas, but no more than that. Only if you're a group of people traveling, only then would you be able to use Lovud to make a Rishus HaYachid, which is even larger than 5,000 square amas. Alright, opinion number two. The Chachom only spoke about the case of an encampment, a group of people traveling through the desert, as a common example, because they don't really have so many belongings on them. So they're the most likely people to use Lovud in order to make their Rishos HaYachid. But really, anybody could use the mechanism of Lovud. And the Gemara explains that really the Chachom agree there will be a Huda. It's just that they hold that even if an individual person who is traveling by himself is making this Rishos HaYachid, whereas Rabbi Yehuda held that you can only make it up to 5,000 square amas, the Chachom say that there is no limit even for an individual person who is traveling through the desert. The Chachom do agree that if you're in a settled area, then you cannot use this leniency. Third opinion, any mechitza, any partition, any surrounding wall in this case, which is not made up of both vertical and horizontal parts, is not considered to be a valid partition, 
That is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda bar Rabbi Yehuda. And once again, we're in need for the Gemara to explain his opinion. And the Gemara explains Rabbi Yehuda bar Rabbi Yehuda holds that the entire leniency, again, was only given for people traveling through a desert. And even if it's a group of people, they can only use the leniency to make a Rishush HaYachid of up to 5,000 square amas. But nobody, even a group of people traveling, can use this leniency of Lovud to make a larger Rishush HaYachid. Alright, and fourth opinion, one of the two things, which either means one of either horizontal or vertical, it doesn't have to be made up of both horizontal and vertical parts, or it means one of the two things, meaning either when traveling the desert, or even if you are in an inhabited and settled area, you can still do so. And the Gemara explains that the Chachomim hold that this leniency was even allowed and even given in a settled area, where you have got belongings, so you're technically able to make a proper partition. Nevertheless, the law of Lovud tells us that this is considered to be a partition, even with all the gaps in between them. So to summarize, Rabbi Huda holds that you can use this leniency of Lovud only when you're on a journey through the desert, and if you're by yourself, you can only use it for an area of up to 5,000 Amas. The first Chachomim in the Mishnah hold that you can only do it on the journey in the desert, and there's no limit for how large the area can be. Rabbi Yisba Rabbi Yehuda holds that the limit of 5,000 square amas is for both individuals and a group of people traveling, and the Chachom are the most lenient, the second Chachomim, and they hold that you can do so even in a settled area, whether you are an individual person or a group. Now, since we've just discussed the leniencies which apply to a group of people traveling through a desert, the mission discusses a couple of leniencies which apply to a military camp, and of course, if there's a danger to life, then one can transgress Shabbos in any way. But we're discussing where there is not yet a danger to life. For example, if they're not yet fighting right now, but they're getting ready to fight. So our Ba'od Zvarim Potzubamachane, the Chachom exempted the people camping there from four things. Number one, Mavin Eitzim Kolmokoim. They can bring wood from any place. Any wood which has been cut down already, they are allowed to take and use as firewood, for example. And this is based on an important principle known as Hefker based in Hefker which means that the basin have the power to make anybody's property ownerless. And so the basin used this power in this case that any wood which the army camp needs is considered ownerless and they can take it and it's not considered stealing. Secondly, if Turin and Chitas are dying, they are exempt from washing their hands before eating bread or before davening. Rather, they should just clean their hands without water. And the Gemara explains that Maimachronim Washing one's hands after eating, before benching, that was still an obligation even for these people, because at least in those times it was dangerous for one's health not to wash, wash his hands at the end of the meal. They use a certain salt which if they had on their hands and they touched their eyes, it could blind them. So that remained an obligation even in an army camp. Thirdly, Omid Mai, they are exempt from separating tithes from Demai, which is produce which is bought from an Amhoaretz produce which is bought from a person who is not knowledgeable of the laws of tithes and is not trusted with regards to separating tithes. Then with the Oraisa, if one buys produce from an Amhoaretz, he can trust him that he separated the tithes. However, with Rabbonon, one needs to separate the tithes again, or at least most of the tithes, but the Rabbonon did not include in their decree an army camp so that they would have enough food to eat. They exempted them from separating tithes from Demai since that is only an obligation with Rabbonon. And fourthly, in the one which is most relevant to Amasechta, Umele Orev, they are exempt from setting up an Eruv Chatseris. Eruv Chatseris is an Eruv which is set up in order to carry from one private domain into another. So for example, to carry from one tent into another. 
In general, you would need an Erev Chatzeras to do so. That's when you put, everyone puts a bit of food into one tent, and they would view it as if it's all really one big domain. So that they do not need to do. However, they still do need to surround the entire camp with partitions so they, they can carry a tool within that area. It's only the Eruv Echatzeris which they are exempt from. And as well as that, Eruv Echumen, the Eruv which one needs to make for, to be able to travel more than 2,000 Amas on Shabbos, that is also still an obligation for them. An army camp is still not allowed to travel more than 2,000 Amas outside of their city or outside of their camp unless they make an Eruv Echumen which would give them another 2,000 Amas in one specific direction. Now, why is it that they are exempt from Erev Echatzeras, but they are obligated in Erev Echumen? So this is a discussion, and the way we're going to explain is that the Tuchum Shabbos, the maximum distance that one is allowed to travel on Shabbos, is actually Mid'oraisa. There's a discussion as to whether the Mid'oraisa distance is 2,000 Amas, or if it's much more, some hold that it's actually 24,000 Amas, and Mid'rabonon it's 2,000 Amas. But either way, the original prohibition of traveling further than the Tuchum Shabbos is Mid'oraisa, whereas Rivichat Seirus is totally Mid'rabonon. And so because of that, the Halachas of Yerubet are slightly more strict, and therefore even an army camp is obligated still to make a Rivet Tuchumin if they wish to travel more than 2,000 Amas away from their camp. After discussing the leniencies which apply to making a mechitza and to making the surrounding walls in a camp travelling through a desert, and then also an army camp, now the mission discusses another leniency with regards to making the mechitzas, and this leniency was for those who were walking up to Yerushalayim for the Sholosh Regalim. There's a mitzvah in the Torah for each of the Sholosh Regalim, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, to travel up to Yerushalayim and appear at the base HaMikdosh. So there would be thousands and thousands of Jews travelling up to Yerushalayim, and when it comes to Shabbos, they would set up camp, and they would need to access water. So there were lots of wells on the roads towards Yerushalayim. However, the problem is that the well was usually considered a Rishos Hayochid, because it was usually at least 4 by 4 Tefachim, and it was at least 10 Tefachim deep, or 10 Tefachim high if it was above the ground. So to draw water from the well on Shabbos, if the well is in a Rishos HaRabim, that would be forbidden with the And even if it's in a Karmelis, it's still forbidden with Rabbonon. And so they would need to make a Rishos Hayochid around the well, so that it was just taking from Rosh Hayochid into another Rosh Hayochid, which is permitted. And in this case, the Rabbonim were also lenient into how he needs to make his Rosh Hayochid, and that he doesn't have to make sure that it's totally surrounded by four walls, as we're going to see in our Mishnah now. In Pasen Labirais, one can make boards for wells, meaning in order to make sure that the area around the well is also Rosh Hayochid, you can use boards to make the surrounding walls. Now these boards do not need to be totally surrounding the well, rather it's enough that our board Yundin, if there are four double boards, meaning corner boards, so they sort of meet at a right angle, Near in Kishmina, it's like it appears to be eight different boards, because each corner is really made of two sides. And then the part in between the corners does not have to be filled up. So if you imagine there was a large square which you made around the well, and on each of the corners you put boards, but you didn't fill up the sides in between each corner piece. Now, of course, you can't make a massive square, and then there'll be a massive, massive gap between each corner piece. We're going to see later on in this Mishnah how big a gap you can have. And as will become clear later on in the Mishnah, this case which we're talking about now refers to a case where the distance between the corner boards is over 10 Amas, but less than 13 and a third Amas. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, that's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, 
that as long as the gap is not more than 13 and a third amas, then it's enough just to put the corner pieces, and that is considered a Rishos Hayochid, that is a leniency given to this situation, so that the people walking up to Yerushalayim would be able to have food for themselves and for their animals on Shabbos. However, Meir 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 says, Shemona, you need to have eight pieces, eight boards, near in Kishlemosar, which appeared to be like 12, so that means that you have to have four corner pieces, so that's already like eight, plus you have to have one board in the middle of each of the sides. As we're about to see, Rebmeir holds that the maximum gap which can be in between the boards is 10 amas. So since in this case, the gap between each corner board and the one on the other side, since the gap is more than 10 amas, there needs to be another board in the middle so that the gap between each board and then the corner board is less than 10 amas. As Rebmeir explains, Arbod Yungden, four double pieces, four corner pieces of Arbod Pshutin, and then four straight regular boards, which are placed in the middle of each side. Says the Mishnah, of course, Govhon Asar Tfachim, their height needs to be at least 10 Tfachim, just like every Mechitza, Verach Bon Shisha, their width, the width of each of the corner boards, needs to be at least 6 Tfachim, which is the same as an Amar. We're going to understand that the width of the middle piece, according to Meir, who says that there's a middle piece on each side, that can be any amount, because the whole point is just to make sure that the gap between each corner board is not more than 10 amas. So the width of that middle piece does not need to be a specific width, although this is subject to debate among the Rishonim. The ovyon and the thickness of the board's culture who that can be any amount, as long as the width of the corner boards are at least 6 tefachim. Alright, and now the Mishnah comes to the point of how large the distance between each board can be. And in short, as we said, Rabbi Yehuda holds that the maximum distance is 13 and a third amas, whereas Rabbi holds it's 10 amas. And the Mishnah is going to tell us that in quite a roundabout way, and that is Uve Nehen, and in between each board, the maximum distance can be the size of two groups of three animals. We're referring to oxen specifically. And one ox by itself takes up the space of one and two-third amas, so three oxen is five amas. It follows, therefore, that two groups of three oxen is ten amas, so that's what Rabbi is trying to tell us, that the maximum distance between the boards is ten amas. And therefore, if between each corner board there is a distance of more than ten amas, then you will need to add another board in the middle of each side, so that the distance between each board is now less than 10 amas. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, Shal arba arba, the maximum distance is the size of two groups of four oxen. So we need to add on another one and two third amas twice, and that comes to 13 and a third amas. Now how do we get to that specific amount of 13 and a third amas, or 10 amas? Because in the example which the Mishnah is describing, the animals are tied up and not untied, so the animals are all right next to each other, there's no gap between them, and one group of animals is going in, we imagine as if one group is going in, into this and the other group is going out. So if you've got two groups of animals going in opposite directions next to each other, then you need slightly more space than if they were going in the same direction. So using all of those considerations, the Mishnah comes to these figures of 10 Amas and 13 and a third Amas. The reason why the Mishnah is telling us in a roundabout way is to show that the entire leniency was only given so that one could be able to feed his animals water on Shabbos when traveling up to Yerushalayim for the Shalish Rugalim. 
One is allowed to bring the partitions, these boards, nearer to the well. Meaning the example we had in the previous Mishnah was where there is a very large gap between the corner boards. But you can bring the corner boards much closer to each other and closer to the well. As long as there is enough room within the uh, square which is made by the boards within this for the majority of a cow's body plus its head to be inside and drink from the well. So that way the owner would draw water from the well, put it down in front of the animal, and the animal's majority, the majority of the animal's body would be inside this drinking. But if the partitions are drawn so near to the well, that the cow is, you know, half outside of the Rosh it's very likely that the cow might come to take a step backwards, and the owner will come to take the water from the Rosh into the Rosh for the animal, because the Rosh is just so small, and therefore there has to be at least that, enough, that amount of space, which the Gemara explains is at least two Amas on each side of the well, Surrounding the well, there has to be at least two amas within this Rosh And on the other hand, one is also allowed to bring the corner boards further away from the well as much as he likes. As long as he adds in more boards in between the corner boards, so the distance between each board is less than 10 amas according to Rabbi Meir, and 13 and a third amas according to Rabbi Yehuda. But you could technically make a massive area, a massive Rosh and add in 10 boards on each side, for example. They're not limited to just one board. Mr. Gimel, since all of this is a leniency with Rabbonon, because in general you have to make proper walls, but the Rabbonon were lenient in this case, so that the people would have water to drink on the way up to the Beis Hamikdash, so they allowed you to have lots of gaps in the walls. However, this was only so that you could really drink water and access the water on Shabbos. And because of that, you can't make a massive area and a massive Rishus Hayochid with this leniency. And according to Behuda, Behuda, Behuda says at Beis Sosayim, one is only allowed to use this leniency of having lots of gaps in the walls to make up an area up to a Beis Sosayim. A Beis Sosayim is an area of land in which one is able to plant a Sosayim of barley. It's 50 by 50 Amas, and a Beis Sosayim is double that, so it would be 50 by 100 Amas, and that was actually the exact size of the courtyard in the Mishkan. And since many of the halachas of Shabbos are learnt from the Mishkan, Really, everything, all the 39 malachas which are forbidden on Shabbos are the 39 malachas, the 39 forms of work which are done in the Mishkan, and therefore this law is also learnt from the Mishkan. Now, the Chachon agree there will be a Huda about this limit of a base or Sayem, however, they hold that it only applies in specific cases. Le om- the Chachom said to be Huda, Le Omru Beisar Sayem, the Chachom said this limit of Beisar Sayem, Elo Beginner Vela Karpef, only in a case of a garden or a Karpef which is some sort of storage area outside of the city, because since these two areas are not made for living, you just store things there, so if it's larger than a base of Siam, it is viewed as a Carmelis, and you can't make an area around it. On the other hand, I will imagine a deer, if it was a pen where animals are kept, and animals live there, a Sachar, or an area where animals are kept, another type of area, a Mukta, or a storage area which is right by someone's house, and people would enter there quite often, a chotzer or a courtyard itself, which again was used very often. So since all of these places are either designated for living, or it's somewhere where people do lots of daily activities over there, so then a filu beis chameshes kairin, even if it's large enough to plant five kur of barley, a kur is 30 sa'ah. 
So this is a much larger area than a Beisal Sayim. I feel Beisal Seris Kairin, even if it's large enough to plant 10 Kur of barley, so a massive, massive area. In those situations, one is allowed to make an Erev. And therefore, also in our case, one is allowed to distance the walls, which is making this enclosure for the well as much as he likes, although that's Yabu Fasin. As long as he adds in more boards, so that the gaps aren't too large. But as long as he does add enough boards, he can make this area of as large as he likes, since this is designated for living, really, since we're getting water from the well. So that's considered a necessity for living, and it is significant enough to allow one to make an area of as large as he likes.